0: Štan an indó askeige e Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh ceart lena win féin. Skilti fis turmi ara igornamion I third oxygen. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms
1: Listen and follow the left-wing rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team, and that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Board Gosh Energy. Putting customers at the core of under 20
1: and senior hurling championship action. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the Throwin Independent.ie's GAA podcast in association with Board Gosh Energy. I'm Will Slattery. Michael Verney unfortunately is nursing an injury from a club game this week, so it's just myself in the hot seat. But delighted to be joined by Dunica Boyle in studio and Kieran Whelan on the phone. And Dunica will obviously start with the big game of the weekend. It was Kerry versus Donegal yesterday and... It was the croak background of the Super 8s last year that was kind of a you know, very disappointing and underwhelming experience for everyone. This year, the games were better, albeit maybe the atmosphere wasn't quite as good as people had hoped, but that Kerry Donegal game was a cracker. I think people were looking at it as maybe who would emerge as maybe the number one contender of Dublin. We don't really know, I guess, uh, who is that number one contender to finish 120 apiece. Uh, what, were, what were your kind of big takeaways from the game? Um, I suppose that... Uh... A few weeks ago,
0: we would have thought that Donegal were out on their own as, as the number two or the number one contenders uh, in the country. And then, um, but I think that Kerry showed a little bit more evidence that they're coming on at rate and not. Being such a young team and being as inexperienced as they are, I'd imagine every game they get against top-class opposition like that, where there's something on the line is going to bring them on so much. So, look, I, I think we didn't really find out anything we didn't know insofar as that uh, there was nothing there to suggest that anyone's going to come along and, and blow Dublin out of the water or anything like that. But um, I do think there are two credible contenders now
1: and uh, we have, con- I suppose, more confirmation of that is the way to put it. Yeah, Kieran, as Dunneke mentioned there, Kerry do seem to be coming on you know, quite rapidly, especially when you compare it to the Croke Park weekend last year against Galway, where they, they struggled mightily and were kind of on the verge of elimination after that. Like, this year... They're kind of have one foot in the semi final, and some of these young players do look like they've kind of kicked on again, as well as established guys like Paul Ganey and Stephen O'Brien, looking to hit form at the right time.
2: Yeah, listen, it's, it's, it's yes, I think it was a huge game for Kerry, but and Donegal. But I think in the context of these young players, obviously they, you know, they came up in the league final and they looked kind of inferior to to Mayo, and and kind of were probably spooked by the Co Park experience. And I think you have to give you know, young players breaking into senior teams, you have to give them nearly twelve months to adapt and become comfortable with the environment. And and playing a game yesterday, uh, which I think we have to celebrate to be honest with you, because it was a brilliant, brilliant game of football. It was game of the year by, by a long shot. Uh, like it was end to end stuff, it was man to man football. Uh, everybody had to win their own personal battle. But I think overall the experience that Kerry can take from it uh, in terms of those young players and and having that experience in Crow Park it, it will do nothing but improve them. Um, and, you know, the likes of Gavin White and Tom O'Sullivan and David Clifford and Sean O'Shea, you know, could come up and, and, and perform in that environment, it, 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 will, it will certainly help them. Sean O'Shea is getting used to a lot of attention off the ball. Uh, and all the, all these learning curves, you know, like the Clifford himself are going to be targeted against any team that they play against. So, listen, it, it's it's, very positive from a Kerry perspective, you know, from a Dublin perspective, maybe looking back and saying, you know, these guys are coming, we know they've been coming, they've been winning All-Ireland, minor all Ireland for fun, uh, and they're certainly on an upward curve, but, you know, you've got to also look at it from a Donegal perspective, and, you know, that, you know, while Kerry are missing out at Moran, Donegal have lost three of their defence, um, and you would have kind of said, you know, that they may struggle to hold that Kerry forward line, they didn't go defensive the as they thought they would. You know, obviously McFadden played as a sweeper, but uh, they kind of abandoned that in the second half. And, you know, he, he was kind out of the game. But, uh, like, they've got to be very pleased with the performance as well. And they, they had some powerhouse performances, particularly in Michael Murphy, you know, scoring 1-7. Ryan McHugh was brilliant. Uh, Paddy McBrady, very dangerous, coming on the loop. Uh, Michael Langham kicked two, two great scores as well. And, you know, they're, they're, they're a team that has improved no end as well. So, I think it's a great thing for the Championship uh, to have two teams coming um, to tackle the Dubs and it certainly whets the appetite for later on in the year. And,
1: Danica, uh, as Kieran said, you know, that kind of spectre of Dublin is looming over everything. Like, from what you've seen from the two teams that were in action yesterday, uh, how close are they, do you think, to, to maybe posing a good, credible challenge or even beating Dublin?
0: I think um, there's going to be... Dublin will have to beat two good teams to win the All-Ireland um, and there'll be two, two good tests now. I just, I think every time you see Dublin, I think maybe this year, and we've said it in this room before that we've probably been willing a championship to come around as opposed to maybe looking at a lot of the evidence. Talking of ourselves into it. Yeah, talking ourselves into it because if, like, I think you can discount the league, and I think a lot of people said that from early in the thing that you know Jim Gavin was going to be trying to come right for. the the Super 8s at the very earliest and probably the All-Ireland semi-final because I think you could have guaranteed it to be an All-Ireland semi-final no matter who was in the group because they're certainly going to win Leinster and for them not to get out of uh, of their group with the Crow Park games and all of that was highly unlikely. So Dublin are only coming right around now and I suppose everyone else has expended a lot more energy, shown a lot more of their hand uh, and I think Dublin are just, just, there's just that much they were so far, so much further ahead of everyone else last year. I don't think, as good as these two teams are, I don't think
1: anyone has has bridged that gap yet. Mm. Kieran, would you agree with that? Like, a, you know, obviously it was a great game yesterday, but when you're kind of looking at it with a view to pay, possibly playing Dublin in a semi final or a final, um, what what do you think that challenge would look like?
2: Yeah, well, I think you're balancing two things. You're balancing the freshness that Dublin have, um, and. Uh, you know, the rookiness really showed against Ross and that they can t- t- turn it on and, and, and open a few notches when they have uh, to and they are coming in fresh mentally um, and you're balancing that freshness against I suppose, you know, momentum and um, game time as well, you know, for those two teams yesterday to go down that stretch in the last uh, into into injury time, toe to toe, point to point, at the end of the field. I don't think you can you can you can buy that in terms of that helping the two teams going forward. Uh, but having said that, you know you look at that and that can fatigue teams as well. Uh, and I think you know we spoke about it last night. There's a lot of games in a compact space of time. Uh, again, Dublin can kind of maybe cruise through the game in Omo without having too much worries of the outcome. Uh, where you know, the likes of we will have to, you know, put in another big performance in Casa Bar. And, you know, likewise, Kerry will have to do a job up in Navin as well. Um, so it's it, there's, there's, there's bigger tests, I suppose, on that side of the group. Um, with only a six, seven-day turnaround going into the semi-final, you, you worry about mental fatigue on that side. So, yeah, it's freshness versus kind of um, game sharpness which will help the other two but in terms of the gas clothing it isn't, it's very hard to tell you know the Dublin forward line at the moment just looks so powerful in terms of everything they do and I think you saw the other evening when, when Jim Gavin took off a few of the key players the Mannions the Kilkenny's, the the Jack McCaffreys you know you saw an immediate kind of change in the pace of the team and the level these guys are operating at, It's very very difficult to defend against so it whets the appetite. You hope that, you know, Dublin will possibly have to beat those two teams to, to win the All-Ireland ruling out a, a shock in Casabar. And, um, listen, we, that's what we want. We want a good, good end to the championship but Dublin still looking, you know, it's still, Dublin still has to be in pole position based on their their status and having won for all Ireland in a row, and looking like they're continuing
1: to improve. Uh, and just to round out, I guess the action from yesterday, Mayo versus Mead, uh, it was kind of similar enough to maybe Mead. Only got Mead put a credible challenge in for maybe an hour fifty-five minutes. They had a lot of chances that they failed to convert, and then Mayo got a goal. You know, after a, a mistake uh, in the Mead defense, and then they you know hit home another goal, and so put a bit of gloss on the scoreline. But like, if you are James Horn, you wouldn't be already happy with that. No, I, I. But I suppose that game went along.
0: You you, you often see it with teams who are trying to break into that next level of competition. And I think you saw it uh, on Saturday night before with Tyrone and Cork as well. And Cork really went at Tyrone but they were expending so much energy and trying to stay with them that when it came down the home straight, they sort of just maybe ran out of ideas, a little bit of concentration, maybe just lost their nerve a little bit. And there was a little bit of that in what happened to Mead as well. I think it was a point in it in 61 minutes and ended up losing by, was it nine in the end? So, um, like James Horn, like the amount of chances they missed, I was there now as I wasn't working on it. And actually, some, when you're not working at a game, you actually see you see very different things sometimes and the one thing that just stood out from, from the match was just the, the chances like really Mayo kept Mead in it in the first half it was there something like nine nine wides or dropped short missed it, missed attempts anyway in the first half of that game and they kept them in it and in fairness to Mead they kept going and all that but eventually the bit of experience the little bit of extra class that Mayo had and the little bit of the bench they had to, to come on as well and make an impact told so look Mayo, Mayo was still alive that's all they wanted but um, I think Kieran hitting a very important point there going to castlebar next week going two weeks time both teams are going to have to spend an awful lot of energy to beat each other and stay alive and stay in the championship and assuming that that Kerry win in Navan and uh you know that is going to be crucial for uh 6 or 7 day turnaround to the following weekend for an All Ireland semi-final
1: yeah Kieran I guess you can look at that game in castlebar in two ways on the one hand like if you'd offered James Horne a chance to you know to progress to the next round with a home game against Dunegal he probably would have taken that at the start but you know, on the flip side, Gall are in good form, and even though they are away from home, they are the bookies' favourites. As you mentioned, it would be a, a slight, a bit of a shock, I guess, if Mayo did actually get get over the line in that game. But you know, do, do you still think Mayo are in the conversation overall? Or even if they do get through this round, do you think their challenge will go much further?
2: Uh, I just don't think they're playing at a consistent enough level uh, to progress much further. You can never rule out a performance with Mayo because they're gutsy, you know, the are they have courage. Um, when they collectively get the crowd behind them and they get put a performance together they, they have the potential to, to beat anybody but it's just very lack of consistency and you know I thought we saw that over the weekend again you know yes listen he would be delighted in a position particularly after the defeat to Kerry and the manner of the defeat of Kerry, uh, to Kerry to, to get the victory yet, uh, uh, yesterday but Sloppy in front of the goal, you know, missed some very, very basic easy chances. Um, you know, David Clark kick out is still a problem. Mm. It, it, he, he, he's just very slow. And I think that, like uh, if you look at Sean Patton, or you look at Shane Ryan, you look at Stephen Cookson, the ball has gone out within a 10 second period. And they're, they're they 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 know what exactly what they want to do, they make the minds as well. Doesn't yeah, it care. It hangs car. as
0: well. Like it, it, it gives that yeah, extra half hands, second yeah. or second in the air. Which, I suppose, if you yeah. are, if if someone is trying to make a break off into space, trying to, the ball has to get there as quick as the man has to get there. But if it's hanging for that second, if you ha- it gives you that little minute to get back and compete and contest and break the ball, and then all of a sudden it's wide open again.
1: But here, would you would you then bring would you bring back in Robbie Henley then? Because I guess the chopping and changing in goal, every time they've made a switch, it seems to have almost gotten worse. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I, I think I'm going to stick with David Carr because with all due respect to him, his shot stop and, and his authority under the high ball is excellent and mm. he gives him that little bit of security, I think. And he's a very, very good shot stopper. But I agree with Dunny in terms of that hanging ball who's the opposition midfielder or, his, or opposition player who's going to come clown through the man. But it, it, for me, it's just even like uh, a time from the kickouts down in Kerry or whatever, like it's 20 plus seconds. And that's given the opposition time, plenty of time to reset. Like, that's the equivalent of having a free in where you can nearly get everybody in the right position to put a zone or press on or do whatever you have to do. And, uh, I just think he has to be a, a lot quicker. And I think when it comes to the crunch, like Donegal will be, we saw what they've done to Tyrone on, on the kick out. Ironically, yesterday they went man to man with Kerry. They changed their approach on, on the opposition kick out. Uh, but I, I just think it, listen, it's, it's a weakness there in, in, in Mayo. Uh, that I think Donegal will go after, and and also I think you know Donegal just have a better balance, you know. I think they'll have more legs than, than Mayo. If I'm going to be honest, which I think, you know, uh, Mayo the, the extra week might help them regroup. But I just think over the last couple of weeks, effectively on the road, four or five weeks in a row, I think they look a little bit mentally fatigued and heavy legged at times. And they'd be hoping that they can get a bounce in two weeks' time. But like, Donegal are coming with full full of energy. And in, in terms of the quality they have, if they get a couple of the players back, if they get me and the D back and uh, full back, and, and they've a solid enough defence. And with the mix you knocking around the place, uh, I just can't. Like, I, I, I find it hard to see how May are going to come out on top.
1: Well, it sets up an interesting game in Castlebar, anyway, Donegal. And we're just going to maybe go back to Saturday night then. Uh, Dublin roscommon a very comprehensive win for the All Ireland champions, I think, was at eighteen points in the end, two twenty six to fourteen. Um, you know, Conor Callahan put in a really good performance. I think he got man of the match. You know, Kieran Kilkenny was very good. Fenton was very good. Like all the key performers, as you'd expect, were playing well. And another like whenever Roscommon seemed to play Dublin, it seems to be a very chastising experience.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I was actually I was working at the first game on Saturday night, and by the time I got back round from the Cusick Stand after. Doing the post-match reaction, um, I think I think there might have been eight or nine points in it already, and uh, you know the place just was dead. It was a completely devoid of atmosphere. So look, I, I don't think we've seen a we saw a whole lot from Dublin that we didn't know already. Um, I don't think they had to do it. Um, the one thing uh, that was mentioned a few times is that, that Kieran Kilkenny was quite influential. Not that he was playing bad before this, but he probably wasn't maybe as central to the thing as he was maybe this time twelve months ago but if he's back in form I think that's good news for Dublin um, I said Bernard Brogan was back in the bench it would be interesting to see what sort of role he plays or if he's didn't fully didn't get fl- any game time though. didn't I, thought, get, I thought he, he would have tr- thrown him a couple of minutes he, well, in fairness to Jim like he's not there's, yeah. none, there's no room for sentiment with any of that stuff like it's always um, it's always be exactly who's available and when and if it suits the team it suits the team but I don't think it'll ever be such you know give the great servant a few minutes for the sake of it it will never be that so um, so look Look, Dublin are what they are. They're utterly dominant, and it's just it's it's tough being Roscommon now because as a county they have done so much right. They've been so competitive at under 21 level, and I'd say they're asking themselves how much more they can do in terms of closing the gap that's to, between them and Dublin because it's massive.
1: And, and Karen, I guess when you're looking at some of these Dublin matches when they do win by a big margin, you're maybe looking to pick out some talking points. And it was interesting just the team selection in general. Like Keno Sullivan was dropped to the bench. Dean Rock was brought back in for Cormac Costello. Um, you know, so they were I guess two. You know changes that you might see again going forward in the championship. Like, do you expect to see Keane and Sullivan back in, or do you think maybe Jim has slightly phased him out? Because he ha- he has been maybe struggling a small bit.
2: Yeah, it was an one. Like, like I, I suppose I probably wasn't really surprised. You know, when you've got the likes of McCarthy and Cooper to come back into the equation, um, like the Dublin defence was certainly strengthened with them in it. Uh, and obviously Johnny Q needed to get game time into Johnny Cooper. He's missed you know most most of the championships. Uh, so yeah, like I think you know, Sullivan, I don't think we've certainly seen the end of him. And um, he, he could feature. He could squeeze back in there in one of the, one of the cornerback positions. You wouldn't know. Uh, but Dublin, definitely, you know, were stronger in defensively than night. I thought they worked harder. They tackled harder. They were a lot more intense. A thought of times they stood off against Cork uh, up front. You know. It's, it's very difficult for Conor Oslo. Like uh, he didn't get a didn't get a run at all. And um, after being quite prolific during the league, you know, very good in the early rounds of the championship, you know, he's been punished badly because of a couple of frees, you know. And it's and he, probably unlikely to get back in at this point. being done very well, but he could be still a significant impact sub uh, for them, you know. So all the all Dublin's key players. Look like they're beginning to perform. You know, I thought Howard has been brilliant over the last couple of weeks. Conor Callan is back on top form as well. You know, to Kenny. It's 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 the riches for Jim isn't it? Uh, and he has them just all competing with each other to try and get in. So and James in his approach. You know, I, I agree with Donny. There's no sentiment. There's no giving a guy a run out in the last ten minutes just because they're they're winning by 19, 20 points. Uh, like I do think that dynamic of the Tyrone game is going to be different though. Um, you know, I I, I don't buy into this, you know, don't have to be Dublin or anything like that. I think the game is insignificant for both sides mm. and both sides will have an all in semi final six days, six, seven days later. So, you know, the balance momentum against the risk of, 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 of injury um and, 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 and you know fatigue, I I am not too sure what really the can So it I think that that game is going to be a bit of a dead duck from both teams' perspective and I think Jim will Make probably seven,
1: eight changes and give guys a run in until each time. And one man, Kieran, I'd be interested to see if he does feature in that OMA game. Is dear McConley? I, I enjoyed your uh, piece in the Harold last week, kind of just going over uh, him coming back and what it means for the team. But obviously, didn't feature in the twenty-six man squad at the weekend. And now, I guess speculation is kind of coming. Like, is he just back in to maybe kind of come back into the panel? Like, but is he actually going to feature at all? Or like, what, what do you think? We will, we will see him play any any game time.
2: Um. Well, obviously, a lot depends on his form and training, and we know that that's the way Jim operates. But listening, hasn't brought him back for that reason. Uh, he brought down kindly back because he has that X factor, and he brought him back because. I think he knows come come the business end of the championship. You know, that Dublin will be probably brought to the last twenty minutes 15, 20 minutes where he's gonna need significant impact off the bench. You know, he's gonna have Cormac Costco obviously come off the bench. Paddy Small gets three points from that and she's done well. But, you know, after that, you know, like it threw and Paddy Andrews the other night in Cadillac but like listen, if if you're looking around your bench and the game is in the mountain part melting pot. Melting pot uh, are you going to risk Connolly? Of course, he's going to risk him. And uh, if once he's shown any, unless he's gone very flat in training and he's struggling in training, uh, he's brought him back for a purpose. And uh, I can't see Daniel kind Connolly of starting, if I'm being honest. But I, I think he's back to make an impact at a particular point in time. Yeah, I
0: think I think if you look at the Dublin forwards now, it's sort of it's five plus one off Costello and Rock, and, and Rock is sort of he's in, he's in demand and possession for that jersey now. Then after that. Um, so that you, so there, there we are first seven after that you're looking at Paddy Small who has I think he's featured in every game off the bench for Dublin this year and then it's maybe Kevin McManaman who's been in and out but I suppose hasn't been making the impact he has in previous years Ono has been in loads of squads but I don't think he's played at all for a minute uh, Bernard was back on the bench the other day he didn't play so I think that like Jim has realised that well look this guy is he's he's worth the risk I suppose in terms of because you can't upset a panel by bringing someone back in if you're number if you're number 7 or 8 in the Dublin forwards and all of a sudden you're number 9 or 10 because this guy's come back in and hasn't trained all year you'd have a right to feel a bit miffed but I think I think Jim has
1: made the made the decision that he's absolutely worth it and Kieranus just on the earlier game on Saturday, in Cork versus Tyrone, uh, you know, got off to a very, I guess, surprising start from a lot of people's perspectives. Cork, you know, finding the net after, I think, 20 or 30 seconds. They got another goal through James Lockery soon afterwards. And then there was that third quarter when Tyrone did come out really strong. I think they scored 2-3 or without reply or, or something around that, you know, amount. And then Cork actually fought back well to get back into the game and, and had a chance to maybe get a draw at the end. Ultimately come out in another loss, but surely there's a lot of positives for them to take going into next season given they've been pretty competitive against last year's All-Ireland finalists across two matches
2: yeah like it's been talk of come from nowhere really if I'm being honest uh, you know I've watched them in the month of the the last couple of years they just they were so disappointing whenever they showed any promise and, and collapsed last year against Kerry and Tyrone and when they got relegated this year you really wondered what direction they were head, heading but they have rejuvenated Uh and you got to give them massive credit. They, they, they just that little momentum they got from the Kerry game, and that little bit of belief set into the Dublin game, and their use of possession, their ball retention. Um, a lot of guys very comfortable on the ball. They play a lot of kind of one-touch football, where they where they stop the opposition getting tackles in. And they were very, very good in that first half. They totally dominated possession. Very smart first goal. No, there wouldn't be a sweeper back. You know they opened Tyrone up for the second goal, and as you said, even though Tyrone got two-two, they kind of came back into the game, and they did—they never, never gave up. But certainly, you know Tyrone up to the halftime. But Tyrone were very late coming out in the second half, and um, you know Cork on the pitch for a long time waiting for them. And uh, I'd say Mickey Hart gave them a little bit of a rocket. Uh, their level of performance wasn't where it should have been in the first half. Uh, they were struggling to take down Cork. Cork kind of mirrored them to a certain degree. You know, they they got bodies back, and that's one thing. though, course, they tactically evolved very well over the last couple of weeks, considering they've only had a couple of weeks between matches. Uh, and and, and Ronan McCarthy deserves great credit for that. But I think it was Tyrone's just bit of class in the end. Maddie Donnelly came storming into the game. The three substitutions at halftime. Peter Hart was very very good in that second half, and their strong running game uh, combined with moving Donnelly inside. Just, you know, carve them open and, like, getting 2-2 two, in two four minutes is such a momentum shift in the third quarter and Cork just struggled with that, otherwise they could have been well in it. But, like, they've got a lot to build on. Uh, they can take positive out of the championship. I know people will say, well, Kerry beat them, Cork beat them and Tyrone their own bet, and when they look at it from the results perspective, uh, but in terms of their level of performance, um, you know, they, 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 they've certainly something to build on.
1: And Donegal, I see you looking admiringly at your report from the weekend from Cork versus Tyrone. <laughs> so you remember what it is. Yeah, so you're the man who can who can really give us a good idea about what took place. You know. So overall, what was the, the big storyline for you coming out of the match? It was absolutely to switch to Matty Donnelly because,
0: like we've talked so much about how Tyrone should play and what they did against Donegal and what went wrong for them and how good they were in the league against Dublin when they beat them in Crow Park, and yet the the new sort of more adventurous system, if you like, and the willingness to kick the ball sort of blew up in their face a little bit against Donegal. They played in Donegal's hands and then they reverted the type and they've sort of done what they've always done and they've steamrolled teams, galloped them into the ground. But I think they've realised that that only gets them so far and like it'll get them probably to an All-Ireland semi-final but it won't beat the very best teams, and it's rare you see it now in an in intercounty football match. But the switch of one player to have such a massive impact on the game. So Donnelly was in full forward from for most of the second half, and I had him down for kicking three points, fouled for three more that were um, that were uh, that were converted frees, and he'd a hand in both of our goals. Um, so you know he, he absolutely turned the thing upside down. So he his role and we're asking Mickey Hart about it afterwards and he was kind of saying listen we'd love to have him everywhere and that's probably right um when him and mcshane were inside cork just couldn't handle they couldn't get a handle on on either of them so but uh Kieran's really was right about cork like they talk about i saw them in the monster final even against Dublin when you they put up a, a fairly brave effort but if you if you remember against Dublin they butchered a very uh, simple goal chance where there was Brian Hurley and Luke Connolly Brian Hurley know? and Luke Connolly and Brian Hurley took the shot yeah. and Cluxton made a good save but every day of the week the Dubs would have flipped that across for the guaranteed goal rather than shooting themselves even Meade did something similar the other day The Donald Kogan had Mickey Newman inside him and he shot instead of taking the shot or instead of giving the pass but against uh, interestingly for the first goal against uh, uh, against Tyrone. Um, they took the option with the man inside with the pass to remove any chance of missing the goal chance so they have learned at a rate of knots and mm. they've come on there. next year in Division 3 they should absolutely lay waste to it on this evidence um, and have to keep this momentum well, going You wouldn't know Cork <laughs> you, Well you wouldn't know Cork but uh, you know it, it, we, Ron McCarty talked about it afterwards and he says listen we have a group of lads now who are absolutely 100% dedicated playing for Cork he keeps that group together and the other thing to have is to have classy forwards and like you can do all the things with systems and all that but you can't you can't invent classy forwards. Um, you know, Luke Connolly's a very talented fella. Um, Brian Hurley didn't have his best days because there was so much, I'd say, focus putting them. And Michael Hurley came in and kicked four points, four great points. So they have they have good forwards and there's a lot to look forward
1: for there with Cork. And, and Kieran. just before we let you go, I guess we're kind of halfway through the three-year Super Eight experiment. And I, I thought you, were, you, know, you spoke well and interestingly about it last night, about maybe taking the Croke Park round out of Croke Park to a neutral venue. But I think the second point you made about maybe, you know, Tweaking the structure of it was w- more interesting because although the Croke Park grounds maybe haven't caught fire, there's been a lot of kind of you know some of the games been very one sided. And then like we've had dead rubbers this year. We have two dead rubbers last year. We had Dublin Ross Common, which was a dead rubber. So you know what what was what what would you like to see maybe done if if it is to be retained going forward?
2: Well, I think yeah, you have to you have to look at it in a broader context is that we do have a couple of challenges at play in the GA calendar. Okay, and and with the provincial championships still as they are, that puts significant pressure on the Super Eight or whatever uh, competition we have after that. Uh, so like the the red herring in the room is still the, is still the, the provincials. But if if you were to broaden out the championship, I was only making like I was lo- looking at it. You look at both years, and you look at you know one group is dead already this this year. You know, me they're out they're gone as well the same kind of happened last year in, in a few of the games so you've only one game of any real kind of maybe context albeit you have to win but uh, I just think with four teams and three matches the, the dynamic is very it can it can lead very easily to dead rubbers because and I'm only looking at it from the broader context of, of trying to you know, incentivize. Like I, I would have a view of having a broader kind of, you know, super sixteens or whatever. But I just thought the dynamic of five teams in each group would, with with incentivize teams to finish top to get to another, directly to an all-earn semi-final. Uh, second and third would qualify for a quarter-final. And uh, so you have three, you have three positions up for grabs right throughout the, you know, the four-game process. Which might keep it a little bit more competitive as teams are scr- and does and incentives built into it, but obviously that leads to an extra game, it leads to extra quarterfinals, and that puts huge pressures on the GA calendar. So I was just making that suggestion and kind of an overall broadening of uh, a review of the GA calendar. But I just think the fourteen groups can 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 work out. Depending on the dynamic of the results, it can lead to a lot of kind of dead rubbers in in, in, in the second round, which we've seen over the last two years.
1: Well, lots of stuff to look, I guess, ahead to over the coming years and see what they do with it. But on for the moment, thanks so much for joining us.
2: No problem, lad. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Kieran. Yeah.
1: So that's Kieran Whelan's idea maybe to expand the Super 8. I don't know if, if that will go ahead, but it, it is a kind of interesting because the dead rubber element of it has been probably... The, the most controversial or, or the most frustrating thing I think for people
0: yeah because I think when it was envisaged the idea if it was fine it was that listen we're we'll going to have eight of the top teams in the country on and paper it sounded yeah, I it thought it really, really good yeah. and, but Kieran kind of hit the nail on the head there when you have two groups of four you know dead rubbers are almost inevitable yeah. uh, particularly when you're not looking at you're probably looking at maybe six teams top Gaelic football teams who, could, who are all competitive with each other now max and here we have we've have eight, and when there's eight, there's always at least one or two cuckoos in the nest, fellas, who are not quite at that level. Now it's great for those teams to get to get to this stage and to compete and learn about themselves. But you know, as Karen says, there's one game a note in two weeks' time, and that's uh, that's in Castlebar. The rest of them, you know, barring a major upset, you know, even if me pull off a major upset. It's you know it's 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 no use to them. So, uh, I I, I like it I like the idea of the super eight. The one thing that does great with me is the fact that we're going back into another non knockout situation yeah. at what's effectively all Ireland
1: quarterfinals. Yeah, stage. because you go from round four, Kerry or uh, Galway, Mayo, do or die, and then. The kind of the kind of the, the foot has taken off the accelerator. Yeah, yeah. While Kerry Mayo was a great occasion in Killarney, there wasn't that kind of edge to it really. And even yeah. yesterday's Kerry Donegal game, an absolute cracking game, but you know both teams could have recovered from a defeat. Yeah, so it's hard to go back from knockout
0: yeah. to not being knockout and then going to knockout again. So it's sort of it's 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 difficult to know because I like the I like the idea of more top class matches between teams, but. Um, I, I would wouldn't say after two years of the Super Eights we're nearly done with the second year, but I don't think there's anyone absolutely wedded to the concept now. At yeah, this
1: stage. and you know from your perspective covering the games, you know the Croke Park factor has been, you know, like the
0: cutting being, like, uh, they're the been like very start, hard yeah, to see who was in the Hogan stand. I was
1: around as well. Like the start of that was pathetic. Like well, it was would, about would 10, there have 000. been ten thousand? Yeah, there yeah was I was 10, 000, going about the guess,
0: I said it was ten thousand. The official attendance we got in the end when the Dubs came in was was thirty six five thirty, you know. It, uh, d- there's an easy fix for that and it's an easy fix in a couple of ways
1: remove the Croke Crowca- Crow Park game have one home one away one yeah. neutral because as Kieran so, Whelan said last night then it would mean Dublin would only get one Croke Park game anyway so yes, that would level and it would that, remove that yeah. it would remove that issue as well
0: and as well as that if you have even if you had 10 or 10,000 at a neutral venue game between Cork and Tyrone which is an extreme example considering how much travel is involved for both both sets of supporters but if you had ten or 15,000 then I don't know where that game might be let's say Mullingar just for argument's sake like that would be nearly capacity I think that be, would be capacity down there so that would be a much different atmosphere and a much different product than your
1: three quarters empty Crow Park like, yeah, which Cork, is Cork's great start deserved a much better atmosphere than like it you did, know yeah. 10 kind of to 10 thousand fans and there's something about Crow Kess, Park as yeah.
0: well like if you go to other venues and go and watch other sports um, the place has been three quarters empty isn't that big a deal. I don't know is it are we somehow, you know, linked to the place that we think it should be heaving every time we're mm. in it and it's not, you're utterly un- underwhelmed. But Crow Park is just such a bad place to be when, but, but I'm when also you can hear the players I'm, talking to each other.
1: I'm also struggling to think of another sporting competition where matches would be fixed for, you know, you're not gonna play like, you know, a random club match in Twickenham every single week, you know what I mean? Like or mm. like the Millennium Stadium, which like, you know, if they did that, like if the you know the Dragons play Cardiff in Millennium Stadium, you know, or, or something like that, to probably be only a few uh, well, people. Well,
0: I was, I was in the, years ago, I was in, was it, oh, maybe it wasn't the MCG, it was uh, um, the Etihad, I think, which is in Melbourne, and Tommy Walsh was playing for Sydney Swans, and it was a pre-season, a NAB Cup or an NAB Cup match, and like, there was 10,000 people, the stadium was huge, just the Etihad, I think it was, yeah, and the stadium was huge, and it did, it wasn't as dead, as Crow Park feels. Yeah. The Crow Park feels like, you, know, as A say, you could hear Matty Donnelly roaring into getting stuck into his own teammates the other day and I was in the upper Hogan essentially in the press box and you could hear Matty Donnelly effing one of his fellas out of it because he hadn't done the right thing in the ball or something like that like that's that's just that's just not how that's not how we when we think of Crow Park and Championship Games and All-Ireland Quarter Finals that's not what you think of
1: yeah and we'll move on to our board. gosh energy rising stars in just a second. But first, a quick look ahead to that you know final round in two weeks' time. Um, the Dublin-Tyrone game obviously is there's, all they'll be playing for is who plays who, because we'll know at that stage you know the makeup of the semi-finals because mm. it's on the Sunday. Do you expect to see two heavily rotated teams? Will will anyone be really going out for the victory? We asked Miss
0: Mickey Hart about this the other night, and he was there like, oh well, we don't have to make that decision now. So he wasn't being uh, he wasn't he's was keeping his cards close to his chest. I don't know, like if you were either of those teams, is there an advantage, a distinct advantage to playing either Kerry or Donegal in an Ireland semi-final? I don't think there is. Maybe Tyrone would rather, would rather stay away from Donegal because they played him already. Or maybe, it very could easy. Could be Mayo. Or could be, could be Mayo. Well, all things, be, either way, is any of those teams obviously easier than the next guy? I, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. So, um, uh, I think there'll be a little bit of shadow boxing in that game, and which is a pity because, again, going back to the whole venue argument and all that, I was at the Dublin Tyrone game in Oma last year. It was a great game. Mm. I would say that was probably some of Tyrone's best football they played in the last 15, 20 minutes of that game, where they went after Dublin and they actually made a little bit of inroads into it in the last 10 or 15 minutes. So, um, yeah, no, in, in short, no, I think it'll be a bit of shadow boxing as well, which will be a massive anticlimax. Will Jim
1: McConnell be in the twenty six?
0: No. Okay. And I, I just. If if he's going to feature, it's going to be when they need him. I don't think don't need him. It's not a knockout game. Are going to put him into that environment? It's going to be very hostile and fiery. And anyway, is that is that the best place to put someone? Because you bring Jim McConney on for a game up and oh, Man, he Nick, gets sent off after yeah. thirty seconds. Well, not that back. he gets sent off, but he's yeah. definitely going to get his buttons pushed. Yeah. So no, I know I I don't think so. I think you when you see Jim McConney, it's going to be with. Uh, Maybe 10 minutes to go with the, uh, in a game in a melting pot, maybe.
1: And whenever about that game being a dead rubber, You have the dead rubberiest of dead rubbers in Cork, Common and Porky Ring. Both teams who are, you know, no, nothing to play for. Both teams of yeah. two defeats from two. You know, <sighs> what's to say about this one?
0: Not much. And move to Parky rain as well. And At
1: least it's not in Porky Key where it would have been like 5,000 people there. <laughs> yeah. It would have
0: been. Exactly. That's exactly what it would have been. No, there's, there's not much to say about that. I suppose look, both teams would be looking to finish off in a bit of a flurry. You know, they'll have their end of season... Sort of uh, debrief after that if you're going into that with a win, particularly for us common who've been at the all Ireland quarter final stage now a good few times and haven't won it. Um, if you're going in to that match and you're after winning games, so listen, that's that we can do with there's something to go on then as opposed to going in off three defeats. Um, I think that's you're you're, you're playing for
1: for something to build on there, really. And they have a two week wait for that game as well. Um, so then the other group, I guess, there is stuff to play for, although meet are out, Kerry. Are probably true but there's a, a sequence of events that could maybe see them eliminated or is there? Well you'd have to it starts with Meade winning
0: and in fairness Meade have made, made huge yeah. strides this year but that, that looks to played in the Challenge match uh, back in shortly after the league and
1: uh, So you have Meade and Donegal win Meade and Donegal win then, so
0: Meade and Mayo win Meade and Mayo win then you have uh Depending on how much
1: the score is, yeah, yeah,
0: and but the score then your score difference is quite tight because Kerry are, are plus ten at the minute and Donegal are plus nine, so yeah. um, that could come into it. But look, I I think I think Kerry should take care of business in Navin. Um I think Me- Mead will throw everything at them, and they'll again they look to extract a bit of value and a bit of learning from that game. But I think you, I think Kerry should. It'd be surprised if they're not in an Ireland. Um, will five. the Mead
1: players be released to the hurling uh, club hurling
0: championship <laughs> in trying to start a in the county again? <laughs> um, no, I think the, the club championship in Mead at the moment. Uh, the last time I checked, anyway, which about a week ago, is for the week after the last Super Eights game. But I think there was a bit of a move to give the county players two weeks to prepare for winter yeah. clubs because they've had such a long season. And always with these things, there's um, when the county has gone well or perceived to have gone well they... It happens in every county that there's always a little bit more willingness to give a bit, of, a bit of leeway to them. So, and I the, think they might do that. And then Mayo and
1: Gal is the game of the weekend in Castlebar. It's the only game where really, yeah. Mayo have you know a patchy enough record. I know they did beat you know they beat Galway there, but
0: Mayo loved the love the drama. They yeah. love the high wire. Like they're at, they're absolute. Like even the other day, like Colin Boyle was their man of the match. You know, and column. You know, is one of those fellas. You're there, like, oh jeez, how much longer I can go for? Look, how much longer I can go for? Now, I think he was personally lucky not to be pick up a second yellow, and he's already on a yellow. Um, but he was very good. I think if they get two more weeks into Lee Keegan. You know, if he's carrying that ankle, he was very good. Darren Cohn has kicked some lovely points. Killian O'Connor looks like he's bad. Like, the last thing you do is say, like, there's no way Mayo can do this. Well, they're at home to a they're team at home that they can well. beat. And a team that they can beat. And that, as I said, they respond very well when they're on the high wire. That's They're nearly at the best. But you're predicting Donegal. Uh, I'm just predicting Donegal on the basis that, yeah, I think they have a lot of... Uh, so much so many, so much talent so many options so many ways they can hurt you as well like Michael Murphy the other day again like I wasn't working at the game but you watched it and I was watching him him and, and McHugh was, or something him and McHugh were, were unbelievable but I watched um uh, I was looking at him at one stage, and I said, "Jesus, Murphy's carrying an injury, and he's gone down. He's rooting with his boot, and he was pretending to be sort of out of the game, as what it was." Next thing, you look up, and he's at the other end
1: of he, the pitch. He looks perpetually bait he,
0: Yeah, he does. He's always he always looks exhausted. But I, I, I started to think then, is he just doing this so whoever's picking him up was it was it Shane Enright maybe for a large back? I'm not sure who it was yesterday. Um, was he just doing it to sort of give the perception playing that possum was, as the Americans call it? Yeah, is that what it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he was just outstanding. Like Jesus, he's like he's like the good lad on the 14 level. You know the fellow who just yeah. sort of ran the show, like he is. Genuinely incredible.
1: Yeah, personally, I think I, the semi-final pairings I would like would be Kerry Tyrone on one side, Dublin Mayo on the other side. I think that'd be just two for storyline-wise, that would be good. But I think Donegal will win as well. But
0: yeah, I think that. I think that's. What I think you're looking at. Uh, I think you're going to look at Kerry, uh, Kerry, and uh, I think Dublin will do enough to top the group. So uh, Kerry Tyrone. Kerry, Dublin, Dublin done that's your not lot, bad either <laughs> no and that that' be brilliant and you know what that would if there is going to be the drive for five and it's done and like people can give out about all the other things that go on the advantage and all that They're still going to have to be two very good teams to win the All Ireland. and if it's going to be a drive for five and it's going to be and history's going to be made it'd be great to see it done that way Do you yeah. know what I mean that they that they underlined their
1: Champion status by by uh by beating two good teams in the semi-final final so let's just finish up now with our Borgosh Energy Rising Star of the Weekend. Uh, anyone catch your eye? Any? And, you know, as I said, whenever we have someone in, we have a very loose interpretation of oh, Rising it's Star. Loose Some people gone. have been about 40, you know, and they've been pegged as Rising Stars.
0: Um, well, Oshin o- o- Gallen caught my eye. No, he's Damn, a, I know he he's not the one. Is he? Yeah. He's, he's, he's no secret to yeah. anyone. But yeah. um, he came on in a very pressurised environment and uh, kicked two lovely points, I think. A might even be one off the left and one off the right. I'm not sure on that, but I remember just thinking that very calm and assured for a fellow who hasn't been exposed to that much and, you know, we spend an awful lot of time talking with the lads and the young lads in Kerry and rightly so, but like Oshon Gallon come into that environment and kick two important points was vital.
1: And again, I'm going to just take a very ridiculous interpretation of rising star because I think this guy is going into stardom, so that's what I, how I'm going to define it. I think Stephen O'Brien has been... You know, so underrated for Kerry. The last couple of seasons, he's emerged as one of the best weapons in the country. I think he's a really good chance of winning an All Star, which would be a good reward for him because it's funny, he was wing forward on the team that won the All Island in 2014, but he was not this kind of player at all. Like, he wasn't. Nowhere near this level at that yeah, time. Yeah, and he's an excellent ball carrier as mm. well.
0: Because uh, and sometimes you, you you know what he's going to do. He jinxes inside a lot. He has the ball in his right hand. He jinxes inside, and you know what he's going to do. But no more than the, the Sean Cavanagh, uh the little shuffle he used to do. Yeah, knowing what he's going to do and stopping or
1: two very different things. He and roasted his marker the weekend. I can't remember his name escapes me who it was, but it, like he he had him in all sorts of difficult. He's so low when to the ran, ground. Yeah, when he ran, direct.
0: he's he's hard to stop. So he sort of he, he carries himself low as well, so that when you're tackling, you're basically tackling his his around his head and his shoulder and like your arm is never going to make any impact you're not getting near the ball and he just barrels past fellas and then and he's incredibly accurate with no space no back lift as well he's very accurate with the shot so yeah no he's uh, he's uh, really stood up as a leader actually particularly yesterday when it's kinda of been lost a little bit. Kerry were missing their first choice midfielders, both of whom have a well David Moore's very experienced and Jack Barry's been around a lot longer than most of the fellas a bit longer than most of the fellas on the on the Kerry squad. So for them to pull that out without without those two and for Stephen O'Brien and Paul Gainey in particular to stand up with it was, it was all things uh, are looking rosy for Kerry at the minute.
1: Well, I think that just about covers everything. Thanks to Dunica for joining me and to Kieran earlier. And just a reminder that this Thursday, the throw in live is going to Wexford to the Ashdown Park Hotel in Gorey ahead of the All Ireland Hurling semi finals. We'll have match tickets and signed jerseys to give away, and we have a great lineup as well. Billy Byrne and Ursula Jacob will be there to give the Wexford view. Brendan Cummins and John Milan will be in attendance as well. So lots to look forward to. And if you want to register to get a free ticket, you can go into independent.ie. That'll be available until Wednesday. And in the meantime, that's all we have time for on the throw-in this week in association with Board gosh Energy. See you on Thursday night, or if not next week, where we will have all the action recapped as well. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Board gosh Energy. Putting customers at the core
0: of Under-20 and Senior Hurling Championship action. Hashtag Hurling to the Core.